What up, peeps? Welcome into Unscripted and Unprepared, brought to you by Real Screen Magazine. I'm Jimmy Fox, and this episode is a very special 2018 in review with my good friend Brian Spizer from APA. So we're doing something a little different this episode. I thought while I'm here at the conference, why not break down the biggest stories of 2018? Uh, And I think we covered a lot of ground. It was a lot of fun. I also hand out my own special non-Real Screen Awards. Real Screen gives out their awards every year. I'm giving out my awards uh, on this episode. Uh, And I also want to say thank you. Thank you to all the loyal peeps that have pulled me aside here at the conference and told me how much they enjoy the show. Guys, it means the world to me. I can't believe this amount of executives in our business actually take the time out of their day to listen to the show. I'm glad you guys can find these stories inspiring. This is my episode 2018 in review. I hope you enjoy it. All right, so this is a different type of episode than ones I've done in the past. I've never really talked about news in the business, current events, but as we all know, the work year really doesn't start until after Real Screen East. So I thought, while I'm out here, let's go through the biggest stories of 2018, the major headlines, and who better to join me for an episode like this than the man I love to gossip text with more than anybody else, power agent from APA, Brian Spizer. Hello. What's going on, man? It's good to be here. Uh, so you may know Brian from being the man who packaged the Leah Remini Scientology show and also has the best head of hair in our business, <laughs> this side of Kurt Tondorf. Kurt Tondorf does have amazing hair. Have you guys like had like an anchorman rumble in the halls when you see each other? Any kind of rivalry? No, we kind of don't talk about it by design, but um, I think we're going to have to at a certain point because it's just... We can't leave it unresolved. Right? Yeah. It's getting a little nasty. Yeah. In fact, I promised myself that this year would be the year that Kurt and I finally have this conversation. Well, we can always leave it to a vote. You know, maybe maybe Real Screen can add it to the awards list and we can just settle it with votes. I think they should. Uh, so maybe gonna... we can panel it first and then Yeah, maybe don't yeah, hold panel let's on hair. Suss this out. So we're gonna do we're gonna run down the big the big stories. I, I jot down some notes and what I'm gonna do uh, as we go through these different categories or themes of the last year. I'm going to hand out the not real screen awards. Okay. Okay. These are the non real screen awards. I'm so we have a competing out. awards. They are not competing in any way. And by the way, I should say before we start this podcast, because we've never done one like this before, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not those of anybody working at real screen. They are solely <laughs> just the opinion of Brian Spizer and Jimmy Fox. That's right. Just want to give that disclaimer out there. I think we should set the table for your listeners for a little bit and talk sure. about the room that we're in right now. Sure. All right, because this is an interesting place where we are. We're in – this is an amazingly plush suite right now. Jimmy is – I just want to set the stage for everyone. Describe what I'm wearing. Jimmy is in a velour track suit, okay, uh, and he is horizontal right now on a couch. There is an assistant with grapes feeding him one by one. Thank you, Veronica. And, oh, hi. Oh, thank you. Okay, yeah. We're being beveraged right now. This is a really luxurious experience. I did not anticipate... Was the champagne too much? Yeah, you know, it was appreciated. It was, it was, on, your, it yeah. was on your rider. Yeah. Okay, we are actually in a uh, <laughs> basic uh, conference room here at the Sheraton, <laughs> uh, here at the conference, and Mark Kamler is at the other end of this boardroom table... <laughs> Just because he wanted to watch. Just hanging out. Which is good because I'm going to be interviewing Fenton Bailey in front of a live audience uh-huh. tomorrow um, from World of Wonder. So this is going to help me kind of like 
learn, do I play to the audience or do I just play to my guest, which is always kind of a weird thing with the live podcast. That's right. Um, let's, let's jump in. Let's do it. First topic from last year, first category, mergers and acquisitions. Mm. Big Fish, first one I want to jump into. Sure. MGM acquires Big Fish. Mm-hmm. It is reported that this is a deal with an earnout that could potentially be up to a $200 million deal. Mm. Big Fish with Live PD and Black, Black Ink Crew sure. as the two notable pre-existing shows. But from mm. what I understand, I was talking to an insider last night. The reason this deal made more sense than others we've heard about in the past is because they have a S-load of shows currently mm-hmm. in development just getting ready to be greenlit. Mm-hmm. And that this might be one of those few deals that's actually worth the dollar figure right. <laughs> that companies are acquired for. Uh-huh. And, this, and I want to get your thoughts on this. This, with the addition of Evolution uh-huh. at MGM, they also acquired Evolution last year. Uh, Real Housewives of OC, Beverly Hills, Vanderpump Rules, mm-hmm. which is Jimmy Fox's favorite show, and Botched. MGM now, major player in the cable business, mm-hmm. right? So what does this mean for the MGM portfolio as you see it? Well, I think what you see is the pieces coming together for a complete offering soup to nuts. You have production, distribution, and epics, and a fully-fledged studio all right. in one house. Right. And it's that's sort of the trend du jour, is yeah. that you're seeing complete solutions across the board. And ultimately, all of these companies are bringing as much business in-house as humanly possible. They want to make things. They want to exhibit things. And if they can diversify their portfolio of people who do that for them, maybe they can garner the interest of uh, prospective viewers and customers. I mean, when Endemol Shine was apparently you know, um, up on the sales block at one point last year, uh, I was thinking to myself, oh, my God, if MGM were to get Endemol Shine, mm-hmm. it would be like game over in terms of broadcast television. Perhaps. Like that portfolio, if you take all of Mark Burnett's works and what MGM has now done since with TKO and, and others mm-hmm. um, and uh, Beat Shazam. Right. right. And then Survivor, Apprentice, like all the shows. And then you merge that with all the Indemol Shine library and what they have. I mm-hmm. mean, they would have like 70% of the real estate on broadcast television. Yeah. It would be a behemoth for sure. But the question is, do you want to pay what Endemol is asking for the privilege? Well, nobody did. And I don't think anyone did. But I think that story might repeat. We might they, that might be back. I feel like that might be. We're going to get to 2019 predictions. Okay. But I feel like the animal shine thing may be back in headlines mm-hmm. at some point this next calendar year. Um, and also the earnout potentially of 200 million dollars for Big Fish. Mm-hmm. That's like rarefied air. Like I was looking back at previous sales. Yeah. Very very few have ever hit a potential earnout of that much. Very like, few. I, and then I looked up left field and was like, right, 325. And I was like, right. okay, but. At, again, Leftfield was a group uh-huh. of companies. This is one single production company yeah. with, for the moment, two major cable shows. Right. No international, right? Nothing like no, no format rights, mm-hmm. like back in the old days when all those companies used to sell. Mm-hmm. This is a straight cable series. Right. $200 million. Yeah. But it's not just a straight cable series. It's a hundred plus hour yes. order of a straight cable series. Yes. That's a massive hit for a network that they can't get enough of. This is why I have you here. And, and so a network is incredibly dependent on Big Fish delivering those episodes. And for someone who's in the M- M&A world, yeah. that sort of predictability, I think more so than, hey, these things in development might actually come to fruition. Yeah. I think rarely do you get that kind of assurance. You get it with Pawn Stars and Left Field. Right. You get it with Live PD and Big Fish. You don't get it with the others. You get yeah. basically the 
the promise of the capability of the executives who are at the helm of those companies, but that's really it. Maybe with Evolution, you get some longstanding hits too. I mean, uh, oh, well, I was, I was, I was, dude, look at that roster. Yeah. Real Housewives of OC, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, sure. Vanderpump Botch. Yeah. Those shows, unless something extreme happens, are going to be on the air for the next six years plus. And, and even more than that, they don't have to sell one other show. They don't have to sell one other show, but they're also incredibly gracious guys who are beloved by a network that's hard to crack, you know, yeah. in Bravo and also E and, you know, that's been their focus. And so when you look at the offering of Burnett, Big Fish and Evolution, it's a very diverse portfolio yeah. that I think tackles the nonfiction business at large. It's a major, major game changer. Um, IPC. Mm-hmm. So your boys. Yeah, I love uh, those guys. Yeah, I love those guys as well. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you, you worked with them getting the Scientology show off mm-hmm. the ground. IPC sells to CORE. CORE then becomes industrial media, where Eli Holzman is now running it. Aaron mm-hmm. Sedman is still across IPC and across the industrial media portfolio. I believe he's the president of industrial and also right. oversees IPC. Right. So what does this mean for CORE? Now you have CORE seemingly, or I should say industrial, Industrial now seemingly becoming a major player in the mm-hmm. studio M&A game and look to see some announcements coming out in the next year probably of companies they're going to be launching. Yeah. Right? I mean, they, they are becoming a major studio. And, you know, I think that investment was uh, a vote of confidence for Eli and Aaron and, and testament to their capability as producers and executives. And look, Core, Core was a brand that, uh, that uh, controlled meaningful resources right but needed to rebrand and needed a new executive team at the helm to help steer the ship and what's most interesting to me about the transaction is not only do you have this really interesting company now that's a roll-up of other interesting companies and uh may be able to uh achieve some things that are that are hugely notable but you also have a uta owned production right. company that is yeah. represented by William Morris yeah. with other companies repped at CAA. And so from my perspective, the whole situation is just getting incredibly convoluted <laughs> and uh, is, is really just a sign of the times. Uh, Matador. Yes. Matador sells to Boat Rocker. Mm-hmm. Okay. Boat Rocker, I had never heard of before. <laughs> okay. And I don't think mm-hmm. I'm alone in that, right? Did mm-hmm. you know what Boat Rocker was before this? I knew what Boat Rocker was, but they don't have the profile uh, amongst many people uh, in our peer group. Uh, I was some talking, of the others do. Okay, so Matador was financed by or joint venture with CAA. I was literally talking to a CAA agent last night mm-hmm. who did not know what Boat Rocker was. I'm not surprised. Okay, uh, stop it. <laughs> um, don't, see, don't get into the agency wars. I didn't. Okay, do not get into the agency wars. I was agreeing here, okay? with your story. <laughs> um, Boat Rocker, I look, so I go online as I'm preparing for this. Uh, 600 employees globally. Mm-hmm. 7,000 half hours in their distribution library. Mm-hmm. They had acquired the entire kids and family division of Fremantle mm-hmm. previously to this. This kind of puts Bow Rocker, which I believe is a Canadian-based company for the most part, this really puts them on the map now with the acquisition of Matador. Matador, of course, behind Lip Sync Battle. Sure. Right? So we've got another player on the block, which I guess is good for all the production companies out there that one day have dreams of selling. Yeah. Now you can throw Bow Rocker in the mix. They kind of made a splash, no pun intended. Uh, Oof. That was bad. Critical <laughs> Content acquires T Group, mm-hmm. which is Jenny Daly's company. Does this not form like one of the greatest tag teams <laughs> in a pitch room since since like the Mega Powers with Macho Man and Hogan? I mean, Jenny Daly and Tom Foreman are well regarded as two of the best room generals, right? That that we know, right? And now they've combined forces to sell. I think it's exciting. It's very exciting. Is it? 
it could be like a, a Mick and Keith situation, though, where, you know, their work together is great, but they're both such strong personalities that who, who's to say if it works well together? I'm rooting for them. Uh, you know, I think it's it's a super interesting partnership. And Jenny is now running the whole critical studio now underneath right. Tom. Mm-hmm. So she'll have her lieutenants now kind of. Is T Group remaining a label? Do we know that? I honestly is, don't know. Is it is, is, is T called? I think, I think, think it's, kind of I think it's technically critical now. Okay. Um, but I, I would need to check. And Kristen Cavallari, the show on E. Yeah. It's a fantastic show and totally surpassed my expectations, by the way. Absolutely. It's getting a season two and Jay Cutler, like the sneaky hit reality star of right. 2018 that nobody saw coming. That's right. Three Arts. Three Arts. Talk to me about Three Arts. As somebody in the repre- representation business, Three yeah. Arts now gets – is it a majority stake or a minority stake from Lionsgate? Three Arts is, I think uh, – they own or Lionsgate, I think, owns a major. I need to check. So, so as you guys are like, yeah. you know, at the agency and news like this breaks, what is the conversation now when Three Arts, who controls some of the best comedic talent in the business, is now owned by a studio? Well, kind of like what we were talking about with MGM, it's just another version of the trend, yeah, which is that. Uh, you're seeing representation companies and studios and other creative entities and distribution companies rolling up into single offerings. Right. And all of this is because of Netflix and right. streaming services. Mm-hmm. They're just thinking, okay, if we have access to IP, access to talent, Three Arts has a proven track record of producing content with their clients uh, and uh, and obtaining great success with it. Perhaps if we have access to it, we can make everything and then distribute it, and we have something that eventually resembles a modern distribution service, soup to nuts. I wonder if, because Three Arts is like the biggest comedic management sure. company there is, I wonder if that somehow shapes the future of Pop Network, which Lionsgate co-owns with CBS, mm-hmm. and Pop is a half-hour comedy network they do right. Shit's creek and all their uh originals right mm-hmm. or all half hours right i wonder if some point if this forces them to maybe buy out cbs's stake and now utilize all that three arts talent to drive it on a comedy network that they now own because lionsgate owns stars mm-hmm. which isn't really in the comedy game mm-hmm. in, in a major way um and now they own pop right, right? and if you're going to utilize that talent and really have that synergy mm-hmm. That would seem to make sense. But again, it's a co-ownership with CBS. So in terms of 2019 predictions, I think the future of pop is going to get decided, whether it's CBS or Lionsgate or a third party that comes in and takes it over. I I think you're right. And I think if we see a CBS-Viacom merger, then there's less incentive to keep pop amongst the labels, in which case perhaps Lionsgate finds its way. It becomes the three arts channel at that point. Uh, well, you, you pulled up some info there. What do you? It's a majority stake. Yes. All right, so we can confirm there was a majority stake uh, from Lionsgate to Three Arts. Um, but in terms of M and A stories, our first award, our first award, the I call this the "What Goes Around Comes Around" award, <laughs> or the "Is This Really Happening?" award, goes to Ben Silverman for acquiring Electus after having founded the company and left, and then acquires it through Propagate, his joint venture with Howard Owens. This was one of those things where, like, I, when I heard this was being rumored, I was like, come on, it's not, not going to happen. Right. Like, there's, there's no way. Right. That, just, that just makes way too much sense. And that would just be <laughs> way too good of a story. And then, like, three weeks later, it's like, oh, yeah, 
Right. Ben, ben got Electus. It's it's crazy enough to work. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. And and so he now gets back the Bear Grylls catalog that they have, the distribution library that they had, Chopped now uh, falls back under them. Uh, Adam ruins everything. Mm-hmm. That's what was acquired in the deal of Electus. And Ben, who was there for the beginning of all those shows, now has him running at his shop with Howard. And it's just sweet, sweet revenge. Yeah, I don't know how much I'm allowed to get into that. Right, we can't. Uh, this is all getting edited out. But there is, there is, there, there is a, there is a story involved in yes. uh, politics. Uh, all right, peak true crime. Peak true crime. Yeah. Next topic. Mm-hmm. Are we? Is the bubble bursting? I don't think the bubble's bursting. It's just getting incredibly difficult to find stories and for producers to find stories that excite buyers in the way that they did a year ago. Yeah. I mean, honestly, now, like. I'm convinced that, that some people have precogs a la my, Minority Report that, and are getting the rights to crime stories that haven't even happened yet because it is just insane. Yeah. I mean there, there was not a, there's not a parking ticket that happens now in this world without someone getting the rights to it. Well, literally every famous story has had three miniseries. Right. Like Bundy right now is having his moment in pop culture, uh-huh. right? That's Zac Efron did that and the, and the, uh, the Netflix right. Right, special. Uh, on Bundy, like we've seen the Unabomber, we've seen literally every story. We've seen Jean yeah. Benet to death. We've seen OJ to death. Casey Anthony, like um, Knox, like we've seen every major story. And I you're seeing like, like linking between those stories now. They're yeah. like, were Bundy and the Unabomber in cahoots? Yeah. I think so. Right. Like you're seeing those sorts of shows getting pitched a lot now because you have to offer the promise of new information or perhaps a different resolution to a very meaningful crime. And- we talk about this all the time, though. Like. It is rare you can take out a pitch these days and have more than, like, three places to pitch. Yeah. And if you have a crime pitch, mm-hmm. you can literally take it to, like, eight places. Yes. You know what I mean? Because yes. all the premiums will, will look at a crime miniseries or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. ID, Oxygen, rebranded just to do crime. Right. Right? Lifetime is opening up um, a crime night on Monday nights that they want to uh, help grow over there. Uh, CNN. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of places that will look at crime it's one of the richest development genres yeah. you can play and actually give yourself a chance mm-hmm. and line up pitches. I mean, is that what you got? I mean, do you have a lot of clients wanting to get into the space that haven't previously done crime, but they see the opportunity now in this moment? I think some who want to get into it and, and are dipping their toe in the water, but we have clients who are really prolific in that space too. Yeah. And so it's gotten harder for those clients to find new stories. Uh, because there's so few of them that, that truly resonate. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the marketplace is more vibrant than ever. Yeah. It, but it's very clear that so many, so many networks and so many streaming, streaming providers have doubled down on the By content way, that they're buying. I had, I had a meeting at BET a few weeks ago. BET, desperately seeking crime. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Z Living is becoming a crime ne- uh, network now. You're joking. Not, not for real, no. <laughs> well, right. I would have I believed you. Uh, but the next award yeah. in this category... <laughs> Uh, is called the Wish I Thought of It Award. Wish I Thought of It. And the award goes to Body Cam on ID. Yes. When I saw the promo for that, my head literally slammed on the desk because mm. I was like, how the hell did I not think of that, that show? Yeah. It's so clean, yes. so easy to produce, so perfectly fits into the recree format model mm-hmm. that works so well on ID. Yeah. Genius idea. And that show performs phenomenally well. The streaming wars. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about this? We were we were comparing notes beforehand. Uh, less doc, more formats. Yeah, this seems to be the trend now. As you talk to Amazon and Netflix, it seems like they want four quadrant, big, broad 
global formats. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think they're initially while they maybe thumbed their nose at traditional reality and alternative formats, they're seeing the value that a meaningful format a la nailed it can bring. Right. And you know, it's my, it's my understanding that those sorts of shows, you know, using the most information we can actually garner from these places uh, are some of the best performers. I mean, and if you yeah. look at, you know, what Nielsen has done where, you know, the best performing shows on Netflix are uh, The Office and Friends, but also British Bake Off. Right. And so a, a, a meaningful alternative format uh, can resonate globally and with and across multiple categories of uh, of audience as well. Right. And so I think you see Amazon doing it. I think Netflix is, I mean, has how many shows in that space? 80? Yeah. You know, now yeah. that they're working on and uh, and more to come. Um, I think Hulu will get in that space uh, before exci- the end of the I'm year. Ex- I'm excited to see what, what Hulu is yeah. shaping up to be. Yeah. Uh, speaking of streaming wars, uh, my next award. Mm. My next award is the, huh, why didn't that work award? <laughs> And this award goes to the Joel McHale show. Uh-huh. Completely thought yes. this, would, this would work. This is a slam dunk. He brings an audience. Pop culture. Netflix is on the pulse of pop culture. But you've seen this with also Chelsea yeah. and now Michelle Wolf right. at Netflix, where Netflix taught the audience, binge it, watch it whenever you want. Yeah. And we've now seen that these topical shows – they were not really able to reteach their audience yeah. to tune in to a weekly topical show on the platform. And these three shows, which are very similar um, in terms of how they're structured, apparently didn't work. And I really thought the Joel McHale thing would take off. Habit's a funny thing. And just as we've all been trained to binge shows now, I think it's incredibly different to engage with those sorts of shows on that platform. Yeah. And so whether it's Chelsea, whether it's Joel McHale – it's weird to sort of actively select which episode you want to see and seek it out amongst all this other choice. Whereas, you know, I used to flip around when I was in bed and if Chelsea was on and, you know, maybe I check it out for a little bit. Right. And I think a lot of people did. Yeah. But the process we have to go through uh, when we engage with one of these streaming providers now, I think it makes it challenging for those shows to work. Absolutely. It was kind of Despite how funny or great they could be. Uh, next category. Celebrity packaging, still king. Yes. Massive overall deals are being yes. made as a result of this. So you look at the landscape. The Rock is hosting an NBC show. <laughs> Kevin Hart is hosting a CBS show. These are literally the two biggest box office stars we have right now. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Peele is making shows for Amazon as part of a big overall deal that they made with him. Mm-hmm. Shonda Rhimes, a massive deal at Netflix. 50 Cent, massive mm-hmm. deal with stars. Um, and what you're seeing more and more is that these networks and these platforms – are the studios. Mm-hmm. They want to be the studios. So they are locking up right. the best talent they can get to keep them in-house, mm-hmm. right? Is this a good thing or a bad thing for people on our side? I think it's a good thing for those upper echelon creators. Yeah. You know, it's bad for the rank-and-file TV producers of the world. Yeah. Uh, and that's sort of the environment that we're, that we're faced with right now. There is yeah. a disappearing middle class of creators. And there's people who are willing to do anything, and then there are going to be the Ryan Murphys, Shonda Rhimes, 50 Cents of the world, who can garner those deals in the hundreds of millions of dollars range. Yeah. And it used to be that – and look, there, we could talk more and more about how back ends are disappearing, and that's what's causing this. And 
you know, with the infusion of capital from tech companies that they can make these sorts of investments. What the net result will be is that some great shows will get made, but the whole ecosystem is going to change. It's going to be very hard for new voices to actually create wealth in this business. But for the people who have a longstanding track record that's really desirable for places that want to buy in at this moment, it's a huge opportunity. No, I, I, I heard some anecdote. I was reading like in the Reporter or Variety. They were talking about this, and everyone thinks with the emergence of more platforms and more networks to sell to, mm-hmm. there's more opportunity for everybody in the game. But when somebody said, and they were right, they're like, no, it just means that J.J. Abrams is now going to have 100 places to sell shows to right. <laughs> rather than just like 50 places to sell shows to. Right. And, you, know, the, you think like, oh, great, Quibi. Oh, great, Apple. It's mm-hmm. like even they are saying, yeah, if you're not Reese Witherspoon and if you're not, you know, uh, Rihanna, you know, and people of that nature, you know, we're, we're starting there. Right. We're starting there. Right. But because we, you know, you're a nonfiction producer because this is a nonfiction conference, I think nonfiction, which is being heavily packaged right now, and yes, you have yes. The Rock hosting a nonfiction format that is massive in scope and just feels big all around, you know, we're still more often than not seen as the lower cost alternative yeah and so from my perspective you can still create a chopped which can be a massive driver for business but it's just going to be really really hard given what the priorities of these new companies are for the time being right uh brings us to our next award on the subject of packaging and talent the well that makes sense award (laughs) uh and this goes to brent montgomery and will house (laughs) For making their deal with Jimmy Kimmel. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Kimmel now coming in as a part owner yeah. of the whole wheelhouse studio system that Brent Montgomery is building. I think this is genius. Mm-hmm. And this is why I think this is genius. Jimmy Kimmel. Let me put it this way. Let me, let me borrow a phrase from uh, Dennis Hopper in uh, the 90s classic Speed. Okay. Pop quiz hot shot. If Jimmy Kimmel, if, I, if you heard Jimmy Kimmel mm-hmm. was producing a big, loud broadcast format like TKO, would you be surprised? Uh, no, I would not. If you heard that Jimmy Kimmel was producing a animated comedy on Netflix, would you be surprised? No. If Jimmy Kimmel was producing a kids series, mm-hmm. would you be surprised? Slightly. You would? Even though he's a dad? Yeah. Okay. Well, I would not. If Jimmy, Kim- <laughs> if you heard that Jimmy Kimmel was producing a prestige doc on uh-huh. like healthcare in our country uh-huh. or something political, would you be that surprised? Would kids be involved? I'm kidding. <laughs> I, uh, yes, I would be surprised about that. See, I don't think so. I think Jimmy Kimmel has taken a stand on his late night show where he's speaking to social issues. He told the story about his son, mm-hmm. about healthcare. Jimmy Kimmel is one of the most well liked people in our business. I think he's a four quadrant. Uh, brand uh-huh. that can speak to multiple genres, and there's so few celebrities out there yeah. that can sell broadcast, can sell cable, can mm-hmm. sell to the family space, can do docs, and and straight comedy, just straight half sure. hour comedies. Like he could do the next Park and Recreation as a producer, and we we wouldn't question it. And you've already got one big broadcast network mm-hmm. and global power predisposed to want to buy from him in AB, ABC and Disney. Right. Brent Montgomery just going to keep being Brent Montgomery. Making smart decisions. I thought it was a genius idea when I read the report. It, it, it is a genius idea. I still don't know. I don't know what he wants to do. That's the thing. Like sometimes your late night show is the best forum to broach a lot of those issues. But look at Worldwide Pants. Look what David Letterman did. Sure. Everybody loves Raymond. You yeah. know, like plenty of producing things behind the scenes. And by the way, that's what Brent's there for. Right. Like but, Jimmy Kimmel's got his show. That's what Brent and everybody Wilhouse are there for. I think they're also – 
Pants and Wheelhouse are very different kinds of companies. Kimmel and Letterman are very different uh, sure. comedi- uh, comedic personalities. Their shows are very different. I would personally be surprised if I was watching the Jimmy Kimmel healthcare doc on Netflix. That, to me, feels a little earnest, uh, perhaps, but and, and the kids' show maybe as well. But he is certainly someone who has the ability to do those things if he wants to. Okay. Okay. Agree to disagree. So you just heard it. Brian Spicer just said this production company will not work. You just heard it. You just, you just, you just, he said uh, the Kimmel venture is going to be a massive failure. You heard it. Brian Spicer said it. Jimmy's assistant right now <laughs> is just giving me a death stare, and I'm having my champagne taken away. Uh, Fox Disney. Fox Disney. Man. Uh, can we go through now all the Disney cable assets that they acquired? <laughs> sure. The, okay. So, okay. Because my memory is a little hazy. FX is now Disney. Yes. The, the sports remain with Fox proper. Yes. Because Fox now is just big Fox, Fox yes. Network, sports, and news. Correct. Which means FX is now Disney. Yes, Nat Geo is now Disney. And Nat Geo is now Disney. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. In addition to all the other holdings. All the studio assets. It's kind of incredible that oh, yeah. Nat Geo can now have a presence at Disneyland. Yeah. Like Frontierland can now be branded in, in the Nat Geo emblem. That's it's right. It's just kind of amazing. That's right. Right? And the holdings that they now have at Disney with the Muppets, with Star Wars, with Marvel, and now having a prestige cable network in FX to have the more adult programming yes. is awesome. Right. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride will now be fronted by Morgan <laughs> Freeman. First order of business. But what does this mean for people on our side, right? So mm-hmm. what everybody keeps talking about is for Big Fox, Fox mm-hmm. Broadcasting, they no longer have their studio. Mm-hmm. 20th left in the deal as well um, to Disney, mm-hmm. right? So on the scripted side, there is no studio now feeding them content that they right. own. So the assumption is that Fox Broadcast Network is going to go on a reality buying spree at least for the next year mm-hmm. until maybe another company joins forces with them to be their scripted studio. Are you guys hearing the same thing? Is this a great opportunity for people in the nonfiction space with Fox now being in this place post Disney merger? Yeah, I think they've always been a company that has been really open to great nonfiction ideas, but you know, it's two things. I think it's an acknowledgement by someone as savvy as Rupert Murdoch uh, that, Hey, these assets may no longer appreciate mm. You know, these amazing companies that I control, I think maybe we're never going to realize greater value than we will right now. Mm. And I think what you're seeing is also what a modern broadcast network is likely going to look like. And it's going to lean into the sorts of programming that is antithetical to the the streaming experience. Mm. So you're going to see more sports, more live, more event programming that pays off uh, the notion of of kind of what's always been inherent in broadcast mm. and what they're not going to do is compete with netflix for premium dramas right right it's smart uh this brings us to our next award the worth every penny award mm. and this award goes to fox and the wwe for their <laughs> wwe smackdown deal so surprising that you all would right. bring this up let me break this down all roads lead to wrestling and i'm taking all my wrestling fandom away okay let's just look at dollars and cents okay i want to get your thoughts on this it's a five-year deal yes. they made with the WWE to get SmackDown, which right mm-hmm. now is on Tuesday nights live. It's a live show, Tuesday nights on USA. Mm-hmm. Raw, which is on Monday night and is three, three hours, is going to stay on USA. This two-hour show moves to Fox starting in October of this year. It's going to be Friday nights, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, 52 weeks a year. 
they do not take any off weeks in pro wrestling. I don't know if you guys know this. And it's absolutely live. Mark, did you know that? Okay. Yeah. No, he did. Mark, Mark Hamlin knew this. Yeah. Uh, it's a $205 million annual deal. Across five years, it gets just over a billion dollars. So if you do the math, if you do the math of $205 million annually, 52 weeks a year, two hours times 52, so 104 hours, mm -hmm. the per hour dollar figure is just below $2 million at mm -hmm. 1.9. And if you take into effect how much they're probably spending on shows like The Four, mm -hmm. how much they probably paid for their dramas mm -hmm. in the past, and then you also take into account that although SmackDown might have a low ceiling, it has a very high floor because you already know that WWE audience is going to show up and likely ratings will grow on Fox as opposed to USA because mm -hmm. just more people will right. be seeing it and it'll feel bigger because it's a broadcast show. So you, you can guarantee at least a base number of what you're going to get right. because there's 30 years of a track record of an audience sure. following it on cable. I think this is a genius deal, and I think Fox looks really, really smart in this deal. By the way, you more or less just also provided the justification for the MGM Big Fish acquisition, minus the 30 years and oh, yeah, minus, sure, and the, minus the move to broadcast. Yeah, that's a good but point. Same deal. Good point. But yeah, it's great for them. If this is the thing they're going to be focusing on, it's a incredibly meaningful brand, and people still show up to watch it on TV. You know, and uh, I'm sure you're very happy about it. I'm very happy about <laughs> it. Uh, I'm very happy that I have friends at Fox uh, that can That's help right. get me tickets. Uh, reboots. Reboots. So many. In the unscripted space. I mean, it's been the scripted world for so long yeah. in the feature film world. Queer Eye, In Search Of, Cold Case Files, Idol. I don't know if we can really consider Idol a reboot. Uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not, To Tell the Truth, Match Game, Gong Show, Pyramid. Deal No Deal, Jersey Shore. Good. Good ones. Yeah. Good ones. Right. That's incredible. It's like a moment away from happening, right? I mean, doesn't that's incredible have to happen sometime soon? I think it happens to some degree every year, and yeah. then, <laughs> but it might happen more this year. Right. Yeah. I mean, is this – I think this is just a phase because you do the reboot phase, and then you kind of run out of reboots. Yeah. And then it's back to what's the next Joe Millionaire? You know, what's the big stunt original idea? Well, reboots, you know? ha reboots have to not work before people disband the notion of doing it. Right. I mean, right now, people will take any marketing oomph that they can get in a pre-existing brand or a show that, you know, that people have a, a soft spot for is just a huge way to build awareness for things when that's so hard to do right now. Right. So, of course, they're rebooting everything they possibly can. Yep. And if you look at MTV in particular... You know, they've had a pretty meaningful turnaround this year, but it's also because they've reverted to the shows that have historically worked for them. I love that they're reopening the MTV library. I can't wait until, like, remote control comes back oh. in, in some form. By the way, remote control would be perfect on Quibi. Remote control, silent library. Silent library All those great, great shows. Silent library would be great on Quibi. Yeah. It really would. Exactly. Uh, the award for reboot that I want to happen that will never happen, bloopers and practical jokes. Do you remember the show? Uh, I do. This was yeah. Dick Clark yes. and Ed McMahon uh -huh. sitting on a stage uh -huh. surrounded by like like squares and circles and triangles uh -huh. on the stage. And they would have punked like practical jokes that were played on celebrities. Right. But then they would also show clips of bloopers right. on all of our favorite broadcast shows. Right. And I remember as a kid, I loved it because it was <laughs> punk before punk and it was like a celebrity version of Candid Camera. Right. And no one at that point had ever done it. I would assume that Dick Clark Productions owns the rights to this. 
Uh, I would not be surprised if they did. They should, but I just don't think it can really be remade. Like, because now this would just no. be a five-minute video. Yeah, it's YouTube now. Yeah, it's YouTube stuff now. Right, exactly. Uh, but I think now's the time to bring back Pirate Master. What's Pirate Master? I, you don't remember Pirate Master? I don't remember, no, I don't remember Pirate Master. Camler's head is like on He's the, leaving. On oh, the, Mark, yeah. come back. Mark. He's, he's like offended. Yeah. Are you wow. offended at me or are you offended at Brian by, by suggesting No, it? I know Mark. That's, it's you. It's definitely it's yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely you. Wait, Pirate Master. When is this? Like early Pirate 2000s? Pirate Master was the Burnett competition show on CBS to try to find the next actual pirate. What do you mean? I I, I don't understand what you're saying. Right that's now. the pitch. To find the next actual pirate that then goes on to do what? Plunder and pillage and burn ships. Like perhaps, I don't understand what that. Perhaps what are you look, crowning? people choose to do different things with their pirate status, but. <laughs> I think it was <laughs> it was it was incredibly bizarre uh, that the show was made because you know you one of the great hallmarks of any good broadcast network competition show is that Olympics esque package that you see about <laughs> someone realizing their dreams. You know, I've always wanted to be a singer. Yeah. I've been training all my life, and you know, Ninja Warrior. Or I got you know, past this illness, and now yeah, I'm exactly. here. They and said I'm, I would never I'm walk doing again. It for my kids, yeah. And now I'm here, and isn't that amazing? Camler just slides yeah. me um, <laughs> some pictures of Pirate Master. Um, I don't know anyone who's like... Do you want me to read the logline? I think you should. This new reality series pits 16 modern-day pirates against one another in a series of challenges, deciphering clues as they search for real gold coins. The player who claims the most riches becomes captain of the 179-foot pirate ship where they live, assigning chores to the other crew members. Right. So it wasn't like searching for a real pirate. It was just a a pirate construct for a competition show. It was... Well, I don't think... Thank you, Mark. I don't think they ever let their guard down about that. So people were playing to win. They really wanted to be that next pirate. And there was no difference. We're between, still talking about this. There was no difference between that and Idol. It was like, you know, I've always wanted to be a pirate. And, yeah. you know, I've got my doubloon right here. And here's my treasure map. And I used to watch Goonies religiously. And something. we had this conversation at dinner the other night. We were talking about Big Brother. Yeah. And I firmly believe that they should do an addition called big brother masters and it should be Mm. a cast entirely of people over the age of 55 interesting because i think people over the age of 55 60 plus it would just be a fertile casting ground for people that just do not care what comes out of their mouth i think it would be genius we love the golden girls there's that show on fox that the cool kids or something that's working very well i just feel like seniors in a reality show especially in a big brother competition Mm -hmm. could be gold especially if they're all single well, you need a great title. I just called it a, a Big Brother Masters. You're just piggybacking off of Big Brother? I'm, no, I'm you saying a- Big Brother should do it. I'm saying I want to see if they do Celebrity Big Brother. Give me Big Brother Masters. I don't care what cable network you put it on, but I feel like that could work. Or some construct to get a whole senior class of contestants to compete against each other. I just feel like it's fertile ground, and they're hilarious, and they're awesome, and they've learned a lot through their lives, and they don't care anymore about anything. I feel like it'd be... Fantastic. You, you're not with me on this. You weren't with me at dinner it's, and you're not with me now. It's an interesting idea. I'm just trying to think of that moment where, you know, you have a contestant who's like, Do not say it. Do who's not like say listen, it. I fought in World War II. I stormed the beaches of Normandy. Oh, okay. And I've never been more serious about anything than this moment right now. Vying for head of household. I'm all in. I'm all in. It's a 20 second promo. <laughs> that works I'm all for in. you. Okay. Run it during the Super Bowl. Uh, 2019 predictions. Okay. Um, I think something's going to happen with Big Fox. Mm-hmm. I think at some point a Lionsgate or a Sony. I don't really know the legality of who can own a broadcast network and what's. St- I don't really know how that works, mm-hmm. but 
it feels like a Sony or Lionsgate who don't have Sony doesn't have a channel, mm-hmm. doesn't have a cable network, doesn't have a broadcast network to feed. Mm-hmm. It's like the last remaining studio out there that doesn't have that vertical integration. They could be a player. Maybe Sony joins forces with Apple. Mm-hmm. But Well, Lionsgate has stars. I know Lionsgate. I'm talking right. about Sony. Sony doesn't right. have a channel, right? So I could see Lionsgate wanting to be the supplier for uh-huh. all Fox programming or most of Fox programming. I could see Sony maybe wanting to do that. Mm-hmm. I could see Sony also maybe merging with Apple. So Apple now has a full studio international footprint. Mm-hmm. I feel like Lionsgate and Sony are two interesting uh, players and Fox. Definitely. That, that's kind of Definitely. where I feel like the meat of the 2019 stories are going to be. Right. There's been speculation about Sony for years now. Right. You know, and that has long been seen as the studio that will either find new ownership or find a way to own something. And there's been a ton of speculation about what that could be. Mm-hmm. The Fox theory is an interesting one. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a quick flip. I think that they're going to try to live this out independently for a minute. Fox. Yeah, before they assess what a new partnership could look like. Okay, what predictions do you have, if any? I, 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 I think we'll see. It's, okay. It could be a new media company. Uh, it could be a traditional studio. Mm. It could even be an agency. And that, Ooh. for me— Ooh, haven't had some agency news in a while. I mean, look at, look at the, the Three Arts deal. Yeah. All right? I think— Oh, you mean acquisitions of agencies? I think people are seeing the. I thought you meant like like launchings or mergers. Oh yeah, because we haven't had any shakeups like that in, in a minute. No, but all of these companies have similar parts, or they're assembling similar parts. It's talent aggregation via a management company or an agency. Mm. It's not dissimilar to when Electus bought into uh, Principato at the time, and right. then Artist First. I didn't. I didn't mention that, right? So as yeah. part of that deal, Ben now right has the Principato Young or Artist First right. management. Inside the propagate ranks, yeah. it's very old studio system, and yeah. like basically what you're seeing is the way things looked in the 50s. But instead of you know 10 things on the air, it's a thousand things on the air, or more than that. You know, so the choices will be less. So any any one of these new companies is going to have distribution, is going to have the ability to aggregate talent. People see an agency or a management company as a means of doing that, and a means to actually create the content that viewers are watching. Uh, I do think there's going to be. I do think we'll get resolution on what ultimately happens to William Morris or CAA in the coming year. In what way? What do you mean? I think CAA will sell 100% of the company. Okay. TPG is the uh, majority owner now. Right. I think that you will have a media company by CAA. A media company? Yes. Okay. Likely a media company that owns other entertainment assets. In like, a, a C- like a Liberty type thing? or Exactly. Okay. And that could seek to replicate the sort of model that we're just talking about that has assets that can be enriched by proximity to talent. Okay. And, you know, if you look at, I mean, since you raise Liberty, they have a number of co-ventures with CAA. Platform right. One, uh, F, uh, Formula One Racing. Well, they co-own all three with Discovery. Right. Yeah. And so when you look at all three and you look and Liberty also has a piece of Lionsgate as well right. and ITV. Yep. And so... That is a company that is able to put together pieces on a macro level that could mm-hmm. ultimately result in what we're talking about. Um, and you said on the, you said William Morris as well. Yeah, I I mean they've just become such a massive holding company at this point that it's hard to say what will ultimately happen to the agency. And that's been a hot topic of speculation as well. Is that will they spin off the agency, right, or and strictly be a event and content production entity, you know, with the UFC and PBR. Or is that still going to remain one unit, and are they going to try and flip it to an even larger media company? Um, they're going to have to at a certain point. Mm. Um, but I think we'll see what the makings of those deals will look like 
as soon as the end of this year. Can you confirm that APA is uh, merging with Paradigm? Uh, I cannot confirm okay. that APA is merging with Paradigm. Why are you winking? I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I got to laugh out of camera. Uh, You're giving me your foot under the table. <laughs> I'm not supposed to <laughs> return the favor? What, uh, what I'm looking forward to most in 2019, let's just go there. Uh-huh. Uh, this has nothing to do with reality. I just want to talk about the year ahead. Okay. Um, 2019. A lot of good stuff coming, guys. Yes. Stranger Things is coming back. Stranger Things is coming back. Game of Thrones is coming back. Mm-hmm. Frozen 2. You're right. Sterling K. Brown. Right. By the way, Sterling Jim- K. Brown playing a character in Frozen 2 is literally like Disney was reading my, my diary. By the way, Jimmy Kimmel is producing Frozen 2, to your point. As he should, and I would yeah. not be surprised. Which is super on I would him. not be surprised, right. as I talked about earlier. Exactly. Uh, Big Little Lies with Meryl Streep. Hello. Yeah, that's Welcome interesting. Welcome to my television, Meryl Streep. Yeah. Uh, I can't Don- wait till she pretends to be surprised when she wins the award for... <laughs> that was a little... Okay, I, we watched the Golden, I watched the Golden Globes a couple Me? weeks ago. When Glenn Close won, uh-huh. she was so... She was so, quote-unquote, shocked. Mm-hmm. I was like, you've won, like, multiple Globes in the past, right? right? But then when she got up and made her speech, I was like, oh, okay, Glenn Close is amazing. Like, amazing speech. Like, oh, yeah, okay. she's an amazing But actress. that first initial reaction, that mm-hmm. Anne Hathaway reaction of, like... Right. Like, what? Wait, like, Glenn Close, you're, like, a legend. Like, yeah. you should not be surprised anymore. Like, do you think Bill Belichick is going to be surprised when, if, if he wins the Super Bowl this Sunday? Like, no. No. It's amazing that the best actresses have to follow their amazing performances with the worst acting of their career. That <laughs> the they've won show. at the awards. <laughs> Glenn Close is amazing. Uh, amazing. Uh, Downton Abbey film. Uh-huh. Uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short are coming to the Greek uh-huh. in the summer. Going to go see them. And uh, Paul McCartney. Coming to Dodger Stadium in July. Oh, yeah. Can't Always wait. Always great. Off the buckle. Always Have you great. been? I've seen McCartney many, yeah, a couple times. Have you? Yeah. It lives up to every expectation, right? It, it's a fantastic show. I can't wait. Yes. It's great in every way. And But the secret sauce is his band is incredible. Really? Yes. His band is fantastic. And I'm, uh, it's cannot say enough good things. Anything else you want to offer for 2019? Anything else before we uh, say goodbye to everybody? I like how you, uh, you're just like, yeah, I'm going to these concerts this year. should be a pretty good year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, got, I, have a, I have a fun 2019 ahead of me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, get, maybe, maybe get some ice cream along the way. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I have enough time. We're going to go right. to Home Depot. <laughs> maybe get right. some flooring. I don't know exactly. if I have enough time. Exactly. My youngest have a nice is, little Saturday. My youngest is going to turn two, which uh-huh. is kind of like a developmental corner to turn. Yeah. Well, you know, I've got, uh, I've got. Oh yes, uh, we even talk about Goldie. Yeah, this is the fo- this is the longest you've the been away. The beautiful four month old baby yes. daughter named yes. Goldie. This is the longest mm-hmm. you've been away from her. This is the longest. How are you holding up? How many days now have you been away? I've been away three days now. Okay, this is the first. The past two nights have been the first nights of sleep I've actually gotten in four months. How great is it to sleep in a bed by yourself in a quiet hotel room? It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely amazing. And, you know, the hallucinations have stopped. I'm feeling like myself again. Do you feel like you're hearing a baby crying <laughs> at, at night sometimes? Do you have, like, those phantom cries? Not more than I usually hear. <laughs> but <laughs> Have you – I think we talked about this at one point. But when I had my first uh-huh. – also, you know, I have two girls – I just started crying for no reason. Mm-hmm. I just became way more of an emotional guy right. when those kids entered my life, when right. the first one entered my life. I don't think – you haven't told me you've had like just random tears, right? Or have you? Do you find yourself a little softened? Uh, no, there are parts of me are definitely softened. We're like I will just look at her and just – and it's beyond belief. Yeah. And there is a sense of – bigness to the universe and it's in a a kind of love that and i've never experienced and responsibility but you're also like you you look at this person you've created and you can't help but just feel overcome with emotion yeah. and uh so there's definitely a, there's definitely some of that well look when i found out i was having a daughter mm-hmm. i told myself 
look, just focus on two things. Mm. Just do two things. And if you stick to these two, everything else is gravy. Uh-huh. Okay. And I'm actually going to be, I'm actually going to be serious. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, right. I'm not setting up a joke. Uh, the first one was uh, just be involved and be around. Yes. Right. Just be involved, be around, know what she's up to, mm-hmm. you know, go to her events, you know, support her and whatever she's passionate about. Just be around. Number two, show her how much I love her mom. Yes. Right. Make clear to her how I treat her mom with respect mm-hmm. and how important her mom is because if she sees that, that'll be how she views the dynamic of a marriage and what she should hope to expect uh, or demand in her own relationships moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then anything after that is like, you know, go with God. Everything else is gravy. But if I can just focus on those two things, yeah. that'll just make my life a little easier if I can just focus on that. I haven't thought of either of those things until this moment just now. Was, no. that, help- <laughs> was that helpful at all? <laughs> that seems like it might matter. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. It's, you know, I'm lucky that I am the product of parents who had a really successful marriage, have a really successful marriage, rather. Mm. My wife, Amanda, the same way. Mm. Um, our families are very different, but both are very strong. And, uh, you know, I think that we have we have a real specific uh, focus on... Uh, devoting ourselves to Goldie and, you know, should we have more children, which I, I hope to do. Yeah. Uh, to, oh, she's calling me right now. Oh, is your wife calling you Mara's right now? My wife's calling me right now. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, to ensuring that no matter what the ups and downs are, that they are the most important part of our lives. Yeah. But part of that is also showing them the respect we have for each other and, uh, and how we regard it. Uh, the, uh, each other as m- more important than uh, than anything safe for our kids. Yeah, and um, you know, and and I learn the importance of that every day. I'm, I'm honestly, it's incredibly humbling to have a daughter. And mm-hmm. aside from being rewarding, and um, it's given me a perspective that I could profess to have otherwise, but you really don't know you really until don't know. you yeah. have a child. And uh, if you're a, a dad having a daughter, that's even something particularly special. You're a good egg, Brian Spicer. Well, thank you for having me today. This was fun. Of course, man. Hopefully, if this does well, we'll do it next year. Or Real Screen might delete this file and never let us put it out. Who knows? We'll, we'll find out. Maybe we can uh, find a, n- another distribution partner for the yeah. award show and really, you know, <laughs> really find a way to monetize this. Again, the opinions <laughs> expressed in this episode were not those of anybody having to do anything with actual Real Screen. That's true. Except for Mark. Except for Mark Campbell. Right. This was all his idea. Thank you, sir. All right. Great to see you. Thank you. Thank you.